Good morning, church, and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. You are unusually quiet for being such a full house today. You don't have to be. Just be normal. Even though we have guests, uh, they don't need to know that we're different today because this is not how we normally are. We are loud and family-oriented and Bible-believing and God-glorifying, and we love grace. That means you get what you don't deserve. Children, that means I've got a box of candy canes for you. (laughs) The only condition for getting a candy cane, children, is that your mom and dad let you come get it after the service, which means you better have some good behavior during the sermon. And let me just tell you a little known a little known fact that pastors have. I can see you all too. <laughs> I think sometimes people forget that. But I can see you. I can see you. That's right. And so children and adults, best behavior. All right, kids, so after the service you can come see me and we will get you some candy canes. Let's all turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 2, the gospel according to Luke chapter 2. For a few weeks now, we have been in a series looking at the songs of Christmas as recorded by Luke in his gospel. And we have looked at Mary's song and we have looked at Zechariah's song. And this morning, we are in a passage where heavenly voices break out in song. So this morning, this Happy Christmas morning. What a treat we have that we are going to listen in on Heaven's Own Choir. We had Richard and the band up here, and they did a great job leading us in singing. They did a wonderful job. Can we thank them and the sound for serving us all this morning? Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the special song as well. Enjoyed it so much. It was wonderful, but... Now we get to listen in to heaven's special music for us on this Christmas day, made up of the most mysterious and exultant beings in creation. This is heaven's choir. We are listening to the angels song. So let's devote our attention now to the reading of Holy Scripture, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. Please follow along. This is the word of God. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first genera- registration when Quinerius was governor of Syria. And all went to register, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right, well, may the Lord bless now the preaching and the believing of his word. We ask this in Jesus' name. I have a simple outline to work through with you today. Three brief points, heaven's messengers, heaven's message, and heaven's music. So point number one, heaven's messengers. One of the most striking things about this passage is the presence of angels in it. But this is par for course for the Christmas story. There are angels everywhere in the Christmas story. There are angels all over the place. First, the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah to tell him about the birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner to Christ. Six months later, Gabriel appeared again to Mary to tell her that she would give birth to the Son of the Most High. Soon thereafter, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream to tell him that Mary had not been unfaithful to him, but had been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Then, in the passage we're looking at today, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and then the entire heavenly host appeared as well, praising God in the highest. This next one we can't say for sure, as far as a sighting of an angel, but there is a good chance the star that summoned the wise men to Bethlehem was, in fact, an angel, what Scripture often calls a morning star, in passages like Job 38.7. And then finally, Joseph was warmed, warned in a dream by an angel to flee down to Egypt in order to escape from Herod's wrath. So in the Christmas story, there are angels all over the place. An angel appears here. An angel appears there. There's an angel in a dream. There are whole multitudes of angels filling the sky. There are a whole lot of angels. And if you know your Bible, you know this is actually very unusual. This is actually very odd. You don't normally see this many angels in so short a space, in so condensed a story. Per square inch, this is a lot of angels. And it signals to us that something unusual is going down right here and now. The prevalence of angels is a sign to us that something unusually important, even by biblical standards, is happening right here. Now, throughout Scripture, if you look up angels and what they do, angels do some really remarkable things. They do some pretty incredible things, and they're actually called by different things. Uh, their titles include things like Son of God, Sons of God or Morning Star, Star, like I mentioned earlier, the Divine Assembly. Sometimes they're referred to by their rank, you know, an archangel or the seraphim or the cherubim. 
But in our passage today, it doesn't say that a son of God appeared to the shepherds or a seraphim or even a wonder worker. It says that an angel appeared, the angel of the Lord. And the significance of this is that it highlights the simple meaning of the word angel. Angel in the Greek means messenger. It means messenger. So this is a messenger from God. This is God's own messenger. So the significance of this angel's appearance in our passage and here in Christmas story is that it has something to say from God. He has a divine message to deliver. The significance that it's an angel that bears it and not just a prophet or some man of God serves to underline the significance of the message. And then the appearance of a multitude of messengers, a whole sky full of them, serves to underline again in bold and italicized and highlighting all the significance of the message. The main thing here is not to notice just the angels appearing, but the significance that there's a really big message from God for us. That's the point of all the angels. All these angels here in the Christmas story, they are here to get our attention. They're here to make us sit up, pay attention, listen carefully, because God has something to announce. God's got a message for us. That's the point of all the angels in the Christmas story. It was the point back then, and it is the point for us today. There was this concentrated cluster of angelic activity around Christmas, an unusual cluster of angelic activity because God had something so absolutely unusual to say to us, which brings us to point number two then, heaven's message. Heaven's message. What does God have to say? Well, look again with me at verses 9 through 13. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Let's stop there. When the angel of the Lord appeared with the glory of the Lord shining all around, we are told that the shepherds were filled with great fear. The King James, I love sometimes the King James just gets it so wonderfully, so poetically. They were sore afraid. Sore afraid. The Greek actually speaks of a deep-seated fear. A fear which is only experienced in Scripture when someone comes face-to-face with divine glory and holiness and perfection. It reminds us of Isaiah 6, right? The prophet records a vision of the Lord sitting on his throne with seraphim, those six-winged angels standing guard, crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. 
Now we're told the doorpost, the very doorpost of the temple, shook under the announcement. And Isaiah is overwhelmed and he cries out, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. This is the reaction people have when they come face to face with God's glory with pure, absolute holiness. When we do that, it undoes us. It undoes us. You know the song, I Can Only Imagine? What it'll be like? You don't have to imagine. When you're confronted with the glory of God, you're going to be undone, but in the best of ways. In Christ, it'll be in the best of ways. And these shepherds, they're filled, though, with that kind of fear. The glory of the Lord, we're told, it shone all around them. So it was like there was no shadows. This is not like the angel is back, you know, and casting this. It's like the angel appeared, but suddenly they were enveloped in glory all around. Just radiant glory all about them. Heaven had come down. It's as if in that moment they were brought into the Holy of Holies and it's too much for them. They are filled with great fear. They are terrified. It's, it's not just the presence of the angel. It's the presence of God's glory. And they are terrified. Have you thought about the day you'll stand in the presence of the same glory? The day you will stand before the holy God. His glory will not be on you so that it's casting a shadow. His glory will envelop you. And if we are honest here, that thought should disturb us. It should disturb us. It should make us uneasy. I, I know that doesn't sound like a very Christmassy thing to say, but listen, before you can receive the comfort of Christmas the good tidings of great joy, uh, you have to understand, you have to be confronted with the truth of Christmas that because of our sin, God stands opposed to us. God made us, he created us, and it is according to his will that we were designed to live. But our sin is our disregard of God's will. We don't care about it. We don't study it in scripture enough and and what we know of his will, we so often break it. It's just, you know, I just don't feel like doing that. I just don't want to. I mean, how often are we just confronted with that feeling in our hearts when we know we should do something and we do not do it because why? I just don't want to. I just don't want to. It's too hard. I'd rather do this. I just don't want to. We break his will and we disregard his will because we just don't care about his will. We care about our will. We'll care about his will when his will lines up with our will. But when his will does not line up with our will, then we disregard his will because we care ultimately about our will. We want to live how we want to live. We want to do what we want to do. The only problem is we aren't God. That's right. I think that was my lily. That's right. 
And that's a problem when the God of the universe says there are things that are good or bad, these are things that you ought to be doing, I have a plan for your life, I have a will for your life, and we say, I'm God, not you, but we aren't God, that's a problem. We aren't God, but God is God, and God is just, and so he cannot be indifferent to our sin. He cannot and will not ignore our disregard for his perfect will, his holy law. And because he is holy and he is just, God must punish us for our sin. He must give us the wages for our sin, which is death. And it doesn't mean just we'll die, we all die. That's not the point. The point is we will have eternal death, which means eternally separated from life, who is God. So Listen, it is a fearful thing for sinners to stand in the presence of a holy God. It's a terrifying thing. Which is why it's so incredible, so surprising, so remarkable that the first words out of the angel's mouth is, fear not. They ain't talking about them. The angel's not saying about himself. He's saying, I'm not here to destroy you, is what he's saying. I came with the glory of God, but fear not. This is the first thing this divine messenger has to say, and it's exactly what these sinful shepherds and sinful people like you and me, is the exact thing we need to hear from a holy God. Fear not. I have something to say to you. Don't be afraid. Give me your ear. But how could they not fear, and how can we not fear? Because of this, the angel explains, behold, I love that, behold, catch this, guys, heads up, listen to this, look at me, make eye contact, that's what he's saying to the shepherds, behold, I bring you good news. The Greek here is a derivative of the word we get evangelism from. And so John Wycliffe actually translated these words in the 1300s, he translated, I evangelize to you great joy, I evangelize to you Great joy. The angel's message is one of good news, but not just good news, it's good news of joy. But then not just good news of joy, it's good news of great joy. It's good news of intense joy, of rich and full and overflowing joy. And this is, in fact, the greatest and most soul-thrilling news ever to be announced to sinful man. It's for all people, he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And all God's people said, all right. Or you can say amen. 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 It is because a Savior has come, born this day in Bethlehem, that the angel can say, fear not. Because a Savior's come. One who can reconcile us back to God. One who can heal the sickness in our soul. One who is the ground of all our joy. This is the bedrock of joy. Because this is true, we can always rejoice. This is good news for all people, the angel says. Anyone can get in on this. It's for all people. But this is also really personal good news. It's not just this like public announcement. It's not like an Amber alert on your phone. You know, like everyone needs to know this. He says, for unto you, unto you is born. This day in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. Unto you, a Savior from your sin. Unto you. 
a Savior from hell. A Savior from an eternity separated from God. Because this Savior pays your debt. He bears your punishment for your sin. It's not that he's convinced God to just forget about your sin. Jesus didn't come up and just say, come on, God, just let them off the hook. You, I mean, you know, you, you're very gracious, God. You're very gracious, Father. You know, you, this is just, you could really be nice to them and you could just help them just forget, you know, just forget about this. Don't worry about this, God. No, this is, this is Jesus who will not ask God to be unjust because God is just and God cannot be unjust. No, this is Jesus who says, I will pay your In love, I will bear your sin. I will satisfy justice so that you can be reconciled to my Father, so that I can bring you to God and say, Here he is. Here he is. It's okay to come in the glory. I'm with you. Come on in. You have a Savior. You do, and 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 you do. He is Christ the Lord. And then you think, you know what, Jace, that sounds nice, okay? That's a very Christmas nice thing for you to say. But you don't know my sin. You don't know how bad I am. You don't know how much I've messed up. You don't, you don't know. I'm not a religious person. You, know, you, you don't know me, Jace. You're right. I, I don't know you. But let me show you something here. Okay? Let me show you something. Let me show you the sign that the angel gives about this Savior. In verse 12, he says, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. All right, one sign, three elements. Okay, one sign, three elements. You're going to find a baby. Not a king in a palace. Not a sultan with his army. You're going to find a helpless, needy, dependent baby. Second, that baby's going to be wrapped in swaddling cloths. Not dressed in royal robes, no superhero costume, no tight spandex for Jesus. Praise the Lord. (laughs) We're charismatic, but we're not that charismatic. Just rags tied together to cover this poor little baby. And third, he's going to be lying in a manger, a feeding trough for animals, because there's no place for an inn for him. I want you to think about these signs for a second. They're not just peculiar. They actually mean something. They communicate something. They tell us the gospel. Jesus came to save the needy, just like he came as a baby, a real baby, completely dependent upon other people, truly needy, wrapped in rags, born into the lowliest of families, They don't have an outfit picked out for him. There's nothing new and nice for him to wear. All they've got are a few rags to lay him in. And he's in a manger. Why is he in a manger? Why is he in a manger? You can say, well, there's no room in the inn. That's a nice way of saying it. Let's put it more starkly. He was rejected. 
he was rejected. They saw a pregnant woman and they said, not here. They said, not here. From his birth, he was rejected by men. Rejected and despised even as a child. And all of this is a sign of how low Jesus came. Because he didn't just take on flesh. Jesus was born a helpless child to the poorest of the poor, experiencing rejection right from the get-go. Why? Why? Why the design for this? Why do this? Why have it like this, God? Why have it like? Why have your son come like this? Well, it's to tell us something. This is what Christmas tells us. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus came so low so that no one can say, he's too high for me. No one can say, he's too high for me. No one can say, he's too high for me. This is underlined for us three times in this sign. A baby, swaddling cloths, a manger. He is not too high for you. He's available to you just as you are. Poor and needy, weak and afraid, hurt and helpless. Jesus is born for you. That's the angel's message. That's what heaven wants to say to us. For unto you, not me, yes, you. Oh, it couldn't be me. Yes, even you. A Savior has been born. But Jace, why are you so excited about this? Just get the CD and re-listen to the part where I talked earlier about your sin. (laughs) If you don't get that part, then this part doesn't make any difference. But if you get that part, then this makes all the difference. We are reconciled to God, folks. Best thing that happened to us this morning. I'm going to bet. But I'm not a betting pastor, so I won't bet. But... I'm just going to go out there and say it. This is not even a prophetic word. This is just the word. Everybody in here sinned. Probably this morning. Probably in the last five minutes. Definitely since yesterday. You need a savior. You don't need to be a little better. You don't need to gloss over this. You don't need people to fix up themselves so that you don't sin anymore. You need a savior. And you have one. Yeah, we have one. Wow. You know what that does? That makes angels sing. And it's not even them he's here to save. But they still can't help it. Which brings us quickly and thirdly to the last one, heaven's music. Heaven's music, when the angels conclude his announcement, a choir of myriads of other angels suddenly pours down out of heaven, flooding the earthly sky, verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
What a song this is. In just one little verse, we get these incredible couple lines. The angel opens with glory to God in the highest. This tells us there is something. Listen, this tells us there is something higher than the height of all our sin. It is the glory of God acting to save us to glorify himself. It's the saving God that is higher than all our sin. It's the gracious God who sent his son to rescue us. The good news of Christmas is that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more so. His grace is always higher. We can't sin more than God can forgive. We can't rebel more than he can reconcile. We can't outdo God in anything. And that's why the angels sing, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest, followed by, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This tells us something about the nature of salvation. The nature of salvation is it's about peace. It's about a restoration of good relations between us and God, between sinful people and God. God is pleased to give the gift of peace through the person and work of his son to those who deserve wrath for their sins. It pleases God to give the gift of salvation, to give peace, though it cost him dearly. This morning we gave gifts to our children and they cost me dearly, I assure you. And I'm keeping a tab and one day I'm gonna, here's the bill kids. Um, no, it cost me dearly, but it was my delight to do it, right? It was my delight because when they saw it, like when my Caleb opens a present and he says, oh my goodness, I'm like right there, that's worth it. Whatever that costs, I'll do it again. You know, because it's just like gold. I, I just delight in their joy. And then they give that, you know, you just give Lily a little sucker and she comes over and gives you the biggest hug in the world. She just thinks like, you're amazing, dad. And, and I think, well, thanks, baby girl. It's just, I just delight in you. And the delight the father has to give us the most costly gift because he wants there to be peace between us and him. And he'll do all the work. He'll do all the work. Though it cost him the life of his dear son, God is pleased to give us the gift of peace through Christ. This is what the angels came to sing about. And can I just note then what this tells us, divinely inspired word tells us about the night that Jesus was born? I just want to note this. It was not a silent night. I mean, sorry to ruin just such a wonderful, great song that we sang last night as we were leaving, and it was all just beautiful and gorgeous and all that stuff, but it's not true! <laughs> it didn't happen! It was anything but silent. There was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Heaven sings the gospel to us. And it's a most beautiful song, and there is simply no better way that I can think of how to conclude this sermon than to invite the band back up. Come on up, band, because we need to sing. Let us join with the angels' voices. Let us join their happy song. All of heaven and earth rejoices, for the Lamb of God has come. He has come to rescue sinners, come to meet our desperate need. He was born to bring forgiveness, born for Calvary. Hallelujah. Hope has come. Hallelujah. Christ has come.
So listen, you can stand now because we are going to sing. And while we sing this next song, the ushers are going to come forward. They are galloping down here because they're going to grab the elements and they're going to pass them out while we sing this. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you confess Christ as Lord and Savior. Don't only join us in singing, but join us at the Lord's Supper. This is a feast in honor of him. And it's a table that he has set. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you do not know Jesus Christ. We ask that you would refrain from participating in the Lord's Supper we're about to take in a few minutes, but instead use it as an opportunity to consider, contemplate the signs of this coming Savior, a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, who would one day go to the cross and die for us to reconcile us to God. What a Savior! And He was born for you if you'll receive Him. Let's sing, Hark the Herald Angel Sings, and then I'll come back up and lead us in taking the elements in just a minute. 